Hey, welcome back to another edition of the Five Tool Podcast. I'm Dustin McComas, joined once again as always by Drew Bishop. This is episode 121. It is Friday, July 28th. Uh, we haven't recorded on a Friday in a while, but um, good day to kind of catch up on a lot of different topics and, and stuff like that. And as the Summer starts slowing down a little bit, uh, although if you know, if I was following our coverage last night from the, the Connie Mack World Series, that game was was wild last night between uh, Dallas Tigers Bergman and, and uh, SoCal Renegades. Um, Brady Gray ended up hitting a walk-off bomb there um, in a game that ended up um, well after midnight our time. Uh, it was pretty cool to, to see that, but the summer is kind of winding down. We've got area code coming up on the horizon, but... Uh, we wanted to kind of look back and we got some things to talk about with the final 2023 5 to 55 in Texas, uh, the MLB draft, just a lot of kind of big item things we haven't got to hit on after doing the Pudge recap and the Manly recap and, and those sorts of marathon episodes, which if you missed those, um, go to uh, Podbean or Apple Podcasts, wherever you consume your podcast and find those. But uh, Drew, how are you doing on a Friday? Um, how are things going in your neck of the woods in Rockwall? We're good. We're uh, had our last T-ball practice last night. Oh, nice! And last game tomorrow, and then little team party. Um, other than that, not a whole lot going on up here. Are you? Uh, so where are you? I hope I don't derail us too much. Where are you in the in the football discussion? Is it like full? Is it like totally amped? Like because camp is almost coming or, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of snuck up on me a little bit. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely got been put on the back burner, but you know, after next week, when we, you know, once we get back from area code, then it'll be full fledged, um, mm-hmm. starting to kind of start listening to more of the, more of the podcast. Cause it's a little bit more football centric. Um, but you know, been, been keeping up with most of those just from the, daily back and forth drive to Melissa but um but yeah it's starting to tick up starting to hear some real football stuff which is nice you know it's getting to that point where it's kind of just you know a little bit a little bit tired of hearing about the same stuff over and over and the drama with the running back contracts and all that stuff so oh yeah yeah that's uh, uh speaking of running backs did you see the play Bijan made at camp today yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, if if you haven't seen it, I retweeted it, and I I won't be the last person that I'm sure retweets it on your timeline today. But like the route, the catch, I mean, it's he's gonna go. He is a slam dunk first round pick in fantasy drafts. Like he's gonna go in the first round. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty uh pretty incredible. But uh, well, they, yeah. you know, I mean, you're they're you're gonna be aided by the fact that they are gonna want to prove you know, they're going to want to prove that taking him made sense. Oh, yeah. Same you know? with the Steelers and, taking Najee Harris when they took him. I mean, he got a ton of touches that year. Yeah. They want to, right, they want to right. say, this is why we took the guy. That's right. And so, yeah, yeah it'll, it'll be interesting to, for sure to see how high he goes. But I can't imagine, especially in a PPR league, I can't imagine oh, him yeah. uh, going too far um, down the draft. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I'm excited to see him. He he's he deserves it. Um, you know, special special person, special player, all that. So yeah, yeah, be, yeah. be a be fun to watch for sure. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun to see where he goes in drafts. But 
Uh, well, speaking of the draft, um, our, our final 2023 5-55 for the state of Texas came out, gosh, when was that? Probably a couple weeks ago. Uh, actually, three weeks ago. So I, I, I made it a point that we published it before the MLB draft started. Uh, so we got that up a few days before the draft started and the draft happened. And there were uh, – a lot of guys ended up, you know, sign, signing from the from the list. I, I don't know if it was more or less than I thought, but you know, there are a bunch of guys on there that we knew were going to be, you know, very very likely to get drafted and signed. Um, There's a little drama with with a couple guys, but um, ended up being a, a lot of money handed out to those players. Um, You know, we're not going to go through. We got a, a bunch to hit hit on today, so we're not going to go through like every single player on the list um although we could go through them pretty quick but the final top 10 which ended up being you know very popular MLB draft wise was you know number one Blake Mitchell uh catcher from Sinton super unique prospect because if for some reason it doesn't work behind the plate which I'd be that would surprise me uh because it's like a plus plus arm good athlete like it's it's checking a lot of boxes there if for some reason it didn't work you could put him at third. You could put him in the corner outfield. Uh, I think if he were just a pitcher only and focused on pitching, I think he still would have been the number one player in Texas because it's that good on the mound too. So he's just total a, a very, very, very unique prospect. And, you know, there was a lot of pushback on the Royals taking a high school prospect that high because it's a track record that hasn't quite worked but a couple of scouts made the point to me that in addition to having all those other things that Blake Mitchell could fall back on, potentially he's a left-handed hitting catcher. Like that's, that makes him much more valuable than a right-handed hitting catcher, just the platoon splits and the way it works and everything else. So um, an easy number one pick. I think he was a tier above the rest of the pack, which showed in the draft. He went eighth overall. He was the only player selected in the first round. I, I guess Kendall George, technically, I don't, I don't, the draft with all those picks now is weird to get the pick for the rookie of the year and the compensation round and the free agency and da 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 da. Like it's it's kind of it's not just the sandwich round anymore. But um, but Blake Mitchell going eight overall was number one on our final list. Travis Accord number two from Round Rock. Um, and it, uh, Barrett Kent number three uh, from Pottsburg, right-handed pitcher. This one like he's kind. I've just got my gut feel on him is that he could really take off. Yeah, I think he was just kind of rounding into form as the playoffs happened. Um, I just think he's a he's an underrated athlete. It's really good delivery, throws hard. The velocity's been there. Like he was at the draft combine. I think he was like up to 95, 96. Uh, and I just love that. Like he wanted the ball all the time. Like yeah. area code, uh, draft combine. Uh, high school. Uh, I'll never forget him going to PDP and then flying to Dallas and then driving to Melissa and then getting on the mound right away to pitch against 12 in the Mattingly. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I know. Let's just give me the ball. Uh, I, I, I just got a hunch that like, man, I, I think in a pro development system and a pro strength and conditioning system, I think he's really got a chance to just flourish um, so he ended up number three on the list. Zane Adams, number four on the list from Porter High School. Uh, big win for Alabama, getting him on campus. Um, Kendall George, number five on the list. Outfielder from Atascacita, drafted by the Dodgers. 
Uh, James Ellinger, number six, his meteoric rise over the spring, ended up number six on the list, right-handed pitcher heading to DBU. Aiden Smith, outfielder from Lovejoy, number seven. Braden Sharp, left-handed pitcher and outfielder from the Woodlands, number eight. Caden Sorrell, outfielder from Marcus, number nine. And then Jacob Golston, right-handed pitcher from Flower Mound, number 10. Um, but you kind of crunched the numbers on on, on the money. Um, so it's it ended up being like some of these guys got paid, uh, which yeah. was really cool to see. Yeah, no, but between the, all the Texas kids that ended up signing, we came out to about twelve million six hundred and twenty-five thousand. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a that's a lot of money. A lot of money. Obviously, a lot of it was eaten up by Mitchell and Sakura. But mm-hmm. you know, it it is funny. I always, it, you know, it's you have to kind of bite your tongue a lot of times during, around the draft, just just for the sheer fact that people don't really understand how the the money works and how the slotting works mm-hmm. and. You know, like Sakura, you know, went with what the first pick of the third round, but he got yeah. first round money. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's people are like, well, he's only a third rounder. And it's like, well, I can guarantee you that he was turning down lots of different uh, second round options or mm-hmm. even first round options, knowing that that money was probably there in the third round if they got there, you know, mm-hmm. and so that it, it, it's a numbers game and it's, you know, it, it it's tricky to under to understand. It's very complex, and 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 coupled by the fact that all the teams have different strategies with it, where you get drafted doesn't necessarily uh, reflect accurately. Like who's the best player, yeah. or who's better than this guy or that guy. There's there's a lot of gamesmanship going on in the draft, and you know, and like we said, people, different organizations have completely different philosophies on how to handle it. Some, some of the guys go under slot, you know, and make big and get several players above slot. And it's just, it's a big, it's a big puzzle. Um, And, you know, but the, but the one thing is for sure that, you know, I know people want to think that some of these people are going to hold out, but not a single, (laughs) not a single person in the top 10 didn't sign in the top 10 round top 10 rounds now we did have the one kid from Irvine who agreed to terms and then ultimately backed out I don't remember the whole story behind it but there's something there but you know it's it's a thing that you know if if you're gonna go in the top 10 if you go get get picked in the top 10 rounds you're likely to sign I mean it's Mm -hmm. almost a dead dead set deal just because teams don't get that money back if they don't sign your slot. So, Mm. you know, most of the time they're not going to go in, go into it without knowing that you're going to sign for that kind of money. Now, you know, there have, there been some negotiating breakdowns or people being misled in the past. Yes. But that number's, you know, microscopic over the past couple of years. And, and then you get past the, you get past the 10th round and then you start seeing some guys, you know, people taking flyers on some guys that are Mm -hmm. definitely, definitely top, two, three, four round talents. Yeah. But, you know, they just propose some signability issues and people might give it a go past the past the 10th round. So, you know, it's a it's a very interesting game. It's kind of fun to watch and see how teams decide to attack it. Um, but you can tell there's some teams that really have a plan going into it. And, you know, I remember when I was in Texas, there's a few teams that just straight up take you and w- without really knowing and they just assume that you're going to sign i mean they mm. have some some sort of deal but there's some teams that operate without actually talking to the person or the agent um but ultimately you know people stare down that that money that guaranteed money right there and it, it's it's tough to pass up so you know it's tough to ever say you, you know somebody made a mistake or 
this person shouldn't assign or should assign or all that kind of stuff. Cause the situation is just different for everyone, but um, it, it is fun to watch and follow for sure. It gives that added element to it, but it does make it harder for the general public to really be able to understand and speak intelligently on it just because it's so complex and it's, there's so many games going on within the draft. Yeah. It's like, if you want to see a true draft order, just cycle it and sort it by signing bonus. Like, cause that's <laughs> gonna That's going to tell you the talent level that, that pro organizations valued these guys at, you know, and I thought this year was a, even more interesting because typically you'd have the first couple rounds in day one. And then it's like, all right, round three and four is like when you're going to see those remaining big guys, they're either going to go here or they're not going to go because right. the teams have a day to kind of think about the money and the plan and, and this and that. But what we saw this year were guys like Cooper Pratt going in the sixth round and Barrett Kent right. going in the eighth round. Barrett Kent right. gets a million dollars. Cooper Pratt gets $1.35 million. That This was kind of the first year that that sort of thing happened. So it was like, okay, you're not in the clear now as a college until you get through the ten, the top 10 rounds with these big-time high school guys. Um, I thought the Brewers in particular had a really fascinating draft because they got Pratt in the sixth and paid him. And Eric Batonti in the third and paid him, you know, 1.75. Who, so, who was on the Brewers area code team? Yes. Yes. A guy that we really liked out there. Um, Big you fan. Know, a, a top talent and that they get him done. So uh, it was kind of fascinating to see like, there's like, oh, wait a minute. Like, because we knew like day, like when the third round started, like, all right, Sakura has got to go here or it, it like, man, maybe Texas has a chance of, of getting him on campus. And sure enough, like there could not have been a better team picking the first pick of the third round than the nationals, the Washington nationals love tall, big future, physical, hard throwing. They love guys like that power stuff, size, like that's the nationals when they're Mike Rizzo, that's, that's what they're about. So it was just a perfect marriage for Sakura to go there at the first pick of the third round and, and they get that money and credit the nationals for getting cruise done and then being able to go over slot with Sakura. But it was just, you know, I feel like in the past, you know, when we used to always follow it at Texas so closely, it was like, all right, you get through like the first four rounds, five rounds, maybe you're like, all right, you're probably in the clear. And now it's like, well, wait a minute. Uh, they can still kind of get creative with, with the later rounds now before the 10th round is over. Um, and I was talking to a couple of college coaches y- yesterday and like, there are a lot of Juco guys that ended up being drafted after the 10th round that signed and actually got a little bit more money than the max amount for theirs. So that was kind of a, a new wrinkle as well. So it's constantly evolving. But like you said, I mean, most organizations, they call the guy up or the agent like, hey, we want to take you here. Will you sign for this projected amount? Yes or no? If it's a yes, yeah. cool, let's get it done. If it's no, off the board, onto the next one. Like, there were guys we just named in our top 10 of our list that I know teams contacted to try to draft at certain parts of the draft early on. It was a yes, no, will he sign for this amount? No. Okay. We're moving on to the next one. So, um, but yeah, it's, if, if you want to know how pro teams valued the talent, go look at how much money these guys signed for, but also to keep in mind that the guys that didn't sign or maybe didn't get drafted in some instances uh, were definitely contacted at some point. Um, any surprises from you from the top 10 in terms of, going to school or not going to school. Um, um I thought it, I thought it would have had Sorrell and, and Aiden Smith flipped. Like I thought maybe 
Sorrell might have been a little bit more likely to draft and sign as opposed to Smith. Um, but I, I I think the Mariners absolutely nailed that one. I mean, we're obviously huge fans of Aiden Smith, but I think that was a fantastic getting value at that spot. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you know, we've been giant fans of Aiden Smith from the get-go. Just the way he plays, the, the consistent contact, the mm-hmm. fact that he hits everything, hardly ever strikes out. You know, I think that I think that piece of it probably played a big factor. The 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 low strikeout rates. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah, that seems to be something that we hear mentioned a lot from scouts is, mm-hmm. you know, the strikeout percentages. If you're striking out a lot in high school, um, you know, especially depending upon what level of competition you're playing, that can be a real red flag. And mm-hmm. I think without mentioning specific names, I think there's some some guys on the list that you could have seen drafted that 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 came into effect um you know and surprises you know i would have loved to see what ethan mendoza you know would have where he would have gone with a fully healthy spring mm-hmm. um just kind of the based on the trajectory that he had been and and you know he kind of displays some of that same stuff like high contact you know it's lots of barrels um, you know, and he even went up and played in that draft league, but I think yeah. it was pretty clear that he wasn't all the way back physically. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how he progresses, um, you know, assuming health. I mean, I can't imagine he's not a big time player uh, out there, but, you know, we, when we were talking about this, you know, we, one of the things that, you know, this will be something to watch for next year too, but just something in general on the kind of overall state of, um, you know, where kids end up playing or going to school and how much they end up playing. I was really curious to look back at our final 55 from last year mm-hmm. and just kind of get a feel for how much these guys were really playing. Um, and so I, I kind of went through yesterday and I went back and pulled the number of at-bats for guys in our top 55 and then as well as some inning counts for pitchers. Uh, and it was – it's very eye-opening. You know, I think we've both become uh, big proponents of guys going places where they're going to play, you know, because not every situation developmentally is the same, right? You know, some, some D1 programs, excuse me, do a better job of getting, getting some development for guys that aren't necessarily in the starting lineup every day than others. And, that's just something that you need to be paying attention to as you're going into some of the recruiting stuff. But, you know, out of our top 55 uh, from last year, there was only 11 guys from the state of Texas that had more than a hundred at bats at the D one level um, last this past season in the 2023 spring. Um, and that's not a lot. No. And I think, let's see, let me might count it right. Of those 11, eight of them were power five. And I think five of the eight, let's see. So one, two, three, four, one. Only four of those guys had over 200 at bat. So guys that were probably starters the entire year. Yeah. Um, And then moving over to the pitching side, there were one, two, three, four, five, six guys from the top 55 that threw over 10 innings. That surprised and- me. That surprised me way more than the hitting. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, like there was a lot, you know, like <laughs> I was going back and forth on the numbers on the on the offense. Like there was a lot of guys that had no at bats. 
right? There was there was a couple that there was two that were in the eighties, and then there was a pretty significant drop off, and you know, a bunch of guys that flat out had zero, uh, zero at bats, um, and that's that's tough. Like from a development standpoint, that's that's tough to spin that 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 was a good situation for you. Now mm-hmm. that's not to say that you weren't developing, but you know, I mean, that you're going to have to kick it into overdrive and really get something out of summer ball. And, you know, it, it more and more often than not to be able to develop in a situation where you're not playing at that level, you're going to have to take a lot of personal responsibility yeah. um, to get better on your own, because just from a time standpoint, you know, there's not a lot of time to go around for guys that aren't playing all, all the time at some of the major D one programs. Now, like I said, some places do a better job of it than others, but you have to really take it upon yourself to, to really get better. If you're going an entire spring without a single at bat in a game. Yeah. Um, I, I almost wonder if kids should start thinking about this, the opposite way in that, like go to, you know, a Juco first and just play a lot and then pick your D one, you know, like, it's obviously like you said, every situation's different, but right. It, I, I think we see guys go to the JUCO route and really take off. And then we're seeing these other guys now that are really, really talented players that picked a big D one and didn't play. And they're going to the JUCO right. to kind of get that going and try to either go back or be a draft guy or whatever. It's, I mean, it's like, if well, you think about I, that from a, professional sense when you get drafted they don't sit you on the bench right you're you're playing every single day because that's how you get better right well i I think it's definitely i think it's probably a different conversation for hitters than it is pitching Mm -hmm. um hitters definitely have to have the bats true you know true on the arm side it's not the worst thing in the world to have not have a high yeah you get in the lab and bullpens and yeah that's true that's a good point Right. So, I mean, like there's some guys, you know, uh, looking at the list, there's some guys that I think will probably have, you know, a pretty big spike in, um, in inning counts for this year, but maybe not. I mean, like there's a bunch of guys that literally threw none um, from that list. There's a bunch, like I said, there was out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 21 pitchers. There were, like we said, six guys that threw more than 10 innings mm. and there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys that didn't throw a single one. Um, and that, you know, some of these, some of these are injury related. Um, yeah. so that, that factors in, but you know, I mean, I, there, I think there's probably something too on the pitching side, the consistency of a throwing program, um, you know, being in the right throwing program and staying mm. in that for a couple years may, may have some, some validity in the strength stuff, um, you know, you can do it at the JUCO level. You're just probably not going to have the the support that you do at a at a major D1 program. Right. But that's you know that's something to evaluate when going through it. But I just thought it was really really eye opening to see you know, and there's still you know some. This is probably the last year of some of the lingering COVID effects. So this may change a little bit over the next couple of years. But just really interesting information. I mean, there's a lot of guys on this list who have already transferred as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just kind of the, the way of the world right now, but just some, some thoughts I had kind of going through it. I was just curious because, you know, I was looking at our list versus last year's list and kind of 
trying to figure out if I thought some of these guys are going to are going to the right type of place um, for their development. And, you know, so I decided to dig into it a little bit. Yeah. And interestingly too, I was kind of, I was just looking back at, uh, um, I wrote a story about just a, a few select guys that were kind of in the mix for the last spot. Um, and I want to say several of them actually ended up playing a lot. Um, but interestingly, Marshall Lipsy ended up being a ju- Juco guy, goes to blend, blows up, has a great year. Um, who else was on there? Ryan Black goes, to, sticks with his UTA commitment, you know, when that coaching change happens, goes the mid major D1 route, plays a ton, has a great year. Um, who else was on there? I think Rashawn Galloway ended up playing a pretty decent amount at Texas State this this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I want to say Dylan Maxey from Friendswood ended up playing some at uh, at Texas Tech as well. Um, so it's it it'll be it, over time. It'll be interesting to kind of look back and see if those guys that like went kind of the mid major JUCO route um, just capitalize on those opportunities to play early and then either ended up at a major D one or a draft guy or, or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, the, the pit, the pitching surprised me. Uh, but it also kind of goes back to something that the draft reinforced was the draft views high school right-handed pitchers as the riskiest demographic in the draft by far. They don't want to take those guys because the track record is, is not, not good. Uh, and it's just it's just hard with pitchers with injuries and like is this guy maxed out? Has he already had his final velocity jump? You know, can he actually hold his stuff and be a starter and hold up? And uh, there's all these. It, it's just really tough to sometimes evaluate pitching, but also like you said too, those guys can kind of also get in the bullpen and in the pitching lab and and take a year off to change their bodies and all that sort of thing. But the hitters really. Um, you really do need your at-bats. Um, it, I think it's just it's going to make a difference. But um, getting back on track here, we'll go through the, the rest of this list here real quick. You mentioned Mendoza. I think the s- scouts have so much of their work done by, like, April in May. And he was just getting healthy then, like really getting healthy. And then he goes to the draft league and was awesome. I wonder if – if that was just a month earlier, maybe that would have changed things a, a little bit. But regardless, I think he's going to go to Arizona State, and I think he's going to hit right away. Um, he was number uh, number 12 on the list. Jack Bell, uh, shortstop from Ray High School, is number 11. Gavin Jones, left-handed pitcher from White Oak, who actually looked pretty good swinging the bat this year, too. Um, heading to Texas Tech was number 13. Kanan Kemp, who was drafted in the sign with the Padres, was number 14. And another draft guy, Niamara Ochoa, Jr., uh, from Galena Park High School was selected by the Astros, ended up signing um, Micah Kendrick um, from Walkwall, guy that we love, big performer this year. Um, Aiden Howard, um, Jason Bowden, uh, Braden Randall, uh, TJ Pompey, kind of rounding out the the twenty there. Um, not too many surprises from the draft standpoint, but uh, a lot of guys I think you know will be candidates to potentially make an impact early on. Although you you go to places like Ole Miss and and stuff like that, it's 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 crowded now with the portal. Uh, it's it's tough because those guys are in the portal for months after the season, and they're trying to find a bunch of instant impact guys right away. Yeah, it's it, it's going to be tough. I mean, like you know, I, 
like you mentioned the, the portal i know you know you you may if if you're a guy like Braden randall you you know if you're wanting to play shortstop and you know they they lose cooper pratt and then the next day they get luke savage you know <laughs> so it's it's kind of it's it, it it's a real eye-opening situation for a lot of guys that mm-hmm. hey like they're these guys got to win and they're and they're going to take an experienced um they're going to take an experienced guy if they have the option to at, at a number of positions on the field and you know i mean i you, everyone knows how we feel about Braden randall he may go in there and win the job or start at second base or you know the number of different things can happen uh but it's it's probably a pretty eye-opening experience for a lot of guys out there um once that draft goes through and then they see guys still going after people in the portal i mean it's it's tough it's tough but you know (laughs) talking like looking at the list you know now that we know the guys that are going to show up to school um pick a guy or two who like that you think are just going to take off early like if you had to if if you had to pick someone to be this year's Jace LaViolette or Jared Thomas or someone like that that's gonna, you know, be in this mix to get hundred plus, two hundred at bats or mm-hmm. throw, you know, twenty, thirty innings, who would you say? I think it's gonna be really hard to keep Ethan Mendoza out of the lineup. Yeah. I, cause I it's just such a good feel for hitting and there's a lot of really good baseball skill, and I think the makeup's really good. <coughs> I think he's just I think he's just gonna hit his way into at bats. Um, you know, I, so that's to me, I, I'd be a little surprised if if he doesn't run into a lot of the bats. And um I'm a huge fan of Sam Myers. He's kind of the left-handed Mendoza for me. It's a really, really yeah. good feel for hitting. He's performed all the time. Great baseball instincts can play center field, um, but TCU, yeah, you know who knows what it looks like there. But Anthony Silva, who I kind of cringe when I look back where we had up on our twenty-two list, uh, went there and set the world on fire. And credit to him, I saw him and um and his dad and his brother down at uh, uh the twelve Scout League when I was down there. And uh, Anthony has put in the work in the weight room, man. Uh, it's really changed his body. He's he's really lean now. Not that he 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 wasn't, but um, I looked at him and I was like, man, yeah, yeah, you got a real chances to get shortstop long term. Like, just looked great physically, put in the work, and those are the types of transformations that can happen um, when you go to college. Um, so you know, Sam Myers is kind of the left-handed Ethan Mendoza for me. Uh, from an inning standpoint, I. I mean, obviously James Elwanger would be a, a, an easy pick and, and Zane Adams as well. But um, going down the – Diego Lizardo uh, going to Houston, he's a really, really good strike thrower, and he can spin it, um, and he can repeat his delivery. He can hold his stuff. I just think that those kinds of guys, eventually they start out of the bullpen, and then they're a midweek starter, and all of a sudden you look up – Kind of like Justin Lampkin last year at AM. All of a sudden you look up and it's like, oh, he's starting conference games um in the weekend rotation. So he he's my guy kind of in that range to, you know, at the end they're gonna look back. It's like, oh yeah, Diego Lizardo ended up throwing 60 innings this year. What about you? Um, just kind of scanning list. Um I'm a couple I'm curious. I mean, Ethan Ferris, um, 
could be a guy that has, especially with factoring in the ballpark. He might hit. Texas he might State. hit twenty homers next year, like Chase Mora did. <laughs> right. Like I mean, wh- when I look at like a fit for a player and and a ballpark, and you know, I, I he's a guy um, that might. I mean, I'd love to know where Mason Bixby is on the rehab spectrum. Um, That's a good you call. Know, mm-hmm. You know, I. You never know with guys coming back. You know how long it takes. Everyone's got a different path and a different um timeline uh but i mean he he was a guy that was up there in that top five for us real easily um mm-hmm. before getting hurt yeah um i see a, a lot of guys man i just looking at the rosters i feel like some of them are just going to be blocked um by guys in front of them um let's see Hank Howard at UTSA is a guy that might get some real, um, some real run time there. Mm-hmm. Um, we like him. Uh, Steven Sepulveda, the water moccasin. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. With, you know, how the pitching went for Baylor this year and what we know he can add to that, to that staff from a stuff and competitiveness and strike throw. Like, I think that's a, that's a big thing that's kind of underrated. Um, or not thought about as much for some of these guys is their ability to throw consistent quality strikes, mm-hmm. you know, not, not just going out there and flashing a lot of stuff. Um, and then I, last one, I, I mean, you have to think that Jaquay Stewart's going to uh, have a, have a pretty significant role for Houston Christian, a huge get for those guys. Um, so yeah, those are, <laughs> those are some of the ones that, that I would pick out that, might really take off and play big roles on their teams next year. Yeah. Yeah. Ferris, especially I, I did that one. I mean, and they had to sweat that one too. You know, the Tigers took them. Yeah. And that was the one team that was really in on them. And I heard they made a pretty aggressive run at him. Um, and it, it just wasn't quite enough uh, to get him to to sign and, and forego going to college. So yeah, like you said, that ballpark could be really, really nice. Um to Ethan Ferris and Austin Vargas, another guy who, when I was originally, we were putting together this final list and he was on the outside, look like he was off the 55 because he was, he was hurt all year. And yeah. Um, and then I kind of caught wind of, Hey, he's healthy, you know, and he's, he's gone to a pro workout somewhere. And I was like, huh. And uh, I got my hands on some video of that pro workout, uh, which I mean, he didn't get drafted, so I can say it now. He he went out to San Diego and was throwing at Petco. And I saw the video and I was like, oh man, <laughs> this is this is really good from the left side. Um, so that could be a, a nice little present for for our, our our man, the new pitching coach at Texas AM, because that's a six, 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 seven lefty with arm speed, a real slider. And a good mover and can throw strikes. And uh, he, he could be a uh, a candidate to kind of get into the bullpen and just provide a different look with that kind of a power stuff. And then eventually kind of blossom into a starter later on in his career. Um, but Austin Vargas is, is going to be a, is going to be a guy to watch for sure. Um, and then RJ uh, Rui, like either pitching, hitting, I, I just think that Baylor's an op- there's an opportunity there for guys to, if they come in, they really get after it in the weight room. 
they can handle it mentally, there's an opportunity to get there um, and, and make an impact some way. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the toughest thing for him and maybe them and uh, is if there is a decision to make, like it's just physically it's tough mm-hmm. um, to, to do both. And, you know, RJ is a guy that I think we have some confidence is good enough on both sides of the ball that he can do it. Um, I just, I know from my experience, it, it's tough to do and it's a lot to have on your plate as a freshman, both mentally and physically. So it'll be interesting to see how they approach that. You know, are they, you know, some places are better than others about letting a guy decide what he wants to do or mm-hmm. when that decision needs to be made. You know, for us, it always, at Texas, like it usually didn't take very long for the kid to come to us and say, yeah, I can't, I, I can't do this. It's affecting, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not getting is I'm not being able to spend enough time on either side. So it's kind of, you know, in a way it can hurt you overall if, if you're not really getting to focus on one, because it's hard to be a division one hitter and really? it's hard to be a division one pitcher. Um, so trying to split time while adjusting to college and the physical load that and burden that your body takes, it's just, it's, it's tough. Um, but I mean, we have a lot of confidence in RJ and, you know, know that he's going to have a real chance to make a mark on, you know, one side of the ball or potentially two. So, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see how that, that unfolds throughout the year. Yeah. I need to, next time I see, um, Zach <coughs> or, or Mitch Thompson, I need to ask him if, uh, if that tweet from Jamie Newberg kind of made their uh, heart stop for a little bit when he put yeah. it out there that, Hey, give us a guy that to kind of off the radar to follow with the Rangers in a draft. And RJ's name was tweeted. I was like, Oh man, like I would just be on, like I'd be on major tilt with a, you know, near heart attack. If I, if I was Baker, when I saw that go out there. It's like, there's, there can't be a worse feeling than like feeling great about a guy getting to campus. And all of a sudden you catch wind of like, Hey, by the way, like um, I'm sure that's how Texas state felt with Javier Torres, you know, Judson, yeah. right handed pitcher signing a, a non-drafted free agent deal with the guardians, which if you're a pitcher, especially a pitcher with his kind of like, stuff profile big fastball um some good trackman type data i don't think there's a better laning spot in pro baseball right now than the guardians uh because just what they do with pitching development is fantastic but on the flip side if you're texas state you're probably like oh like you could have come to campus and maybe in three years it would have been 800 grand instead of 150 grand so but uh I'm I'm excited for for uh, for Javier to follow his development in Cleveland. Um, you know that's you know I'm sure that one was was uh, Josh Blakely and those guys were like, oh no, you got to be kidding me! Like did we lose a guy that didn't get drafted? That's that's going to be the worst. But um, well, we're we're not going to I guess we're not going to read through the entire list. If you want to go online, it's at fivetool.org. We've mentioned a ton of players already. Um, there wasn't a whole. There were some new names that made it in there. Um, Blake Brown, middle infielder from Lake Creek High School, played shortstop there going to see Houston State. I, I just, when I thought about him and I saw him playing again in the spring, really good athleticism, quick twitch, um, just a great ball player, but he's also got some, some talent and skill as well. And he was always a performer. Like he performed for one of the best summer teams 
everywhere. One of the best high school teams. Like that stuff can't be ignored. Um, Hank Howard, like you said, he's got a really good swing too. And I think that's one of the reasons why UTSA ended up winning out for him is that I think he's going to have a chance to at least try both to see what happens. Yeah. Um, Tanner Wiggins and Bryce McCain, two five-tool college league guys. And the more I thought about it, the more we talked about it, because you those guys are up there doing the league. I was like, every time those guys show up, they throw really, really hard. They get results. And I think that, like, I've had to tell myself this, too, when doing things like this is, like, we have to get it out of our head that only the, the top players only go major D1. It's not like that anymore because of the portal. Like, there's a lot of guys that end up going to Texas States and – ACUs and Sam Houston States and Weatherford Colleges and McLennan College and San Jacinto. And, and there's a lot of really good players that end up there now because of the, the scholarship limits, the portal, the, all these transfers and stuff. There's just, there's not a ton of space now for high school guys right now. Um, so they're, they're really, really good players that end up, you know, going to those non big name D one programs. We saw it in the draft this year. Like there are guys that got drafted um, from the non-traditional power schools that end up going places and just blowing up, um, especially in a, a state like Texas where you just have have so, so much talent. Uh, but both those guys made the list. Uh, Lane Allen, a guy that had a really, really good spring at Geyer, just hit and hit and hit with power. And I, I thought he, he moved a little bit better. He went to the college league and performed there. Um, you know, that's a guy right-handed swing-wise, good right-handed swing um who else was a new name on the list here mason green I, we've talked about him a bunch that was kind of an obvious one um chase morgan both those guys from Cy woods um green had the longer track record morgan was kind of banged up at points during the year but it's it's real stuff from the left side uh bennett fryman a guy that you saw um i think interestingly we might both like him as a hitter more than a pitcher um, cause it's big arm strength and stuff from the left side, probably a relief role in the future, but he's like athletic with a good left-handed swing too. Yeah. I mean, he, he does everything loud. Like it's very yeah. twitchy. Um, you know, not entirely dissimilar from Brenner Cox last year, mm -hmm. you know, just from a, from an athletic profile standpoint, you know, obviously Bennett's left-handed and Brenner's right-handed, but from a standpoint of like, man, like, you know, like that's how it's supposed to look from an athletic standpoint. It's just really, really loud tools, uh, really hard contact at the plate, um, some swing and miss, um, and then some, you know, some inconsistencies with the strike throwing, but man, the stuff is there, you know, Bennett made a big jump and, uh, had a gigantic senior year yeah. um, and turned out to be one of the best players in the Dallas area by far from a production standpoint. So be curious to see how he does. You know, I know um, Arizona state lost some guys. Um, so it, it'll, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up because like you said, like he can, they let him get in there and hit some BP uh, even if it in their mind that he's going to pitch, like they may look, look around and be like, well, I, there's not yeah. many guys on our roster that are doing this. Right. So mm -hmm. um, that might be intriguing to them. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, a guy that definitely earned his way in on, onto the list and with a, with a huge senior season for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A couple other guys, Jacob Golston, who I, 
wrote about this in the past. Like, it's just we hadn't at, at the point we last did this, we just hadn't seen him a lot. And it was just kind of like just wanted to get one more look. Um, and we got a bunch of looks and it was really, really good. So he ended up being number <laughs> 10 on the list. Um, and then James Elwanger being number six, another guy, well, not so much the looks, like he was interested because everybody was always like, there's a jump coming, like there's a jump coming, there's a jump coming, there's a jump coming. And it's like, okay, you know, we've, we've seen him for a couple of years now, like always, it was always going to be a candidate that if he ended up DB, at DBU, which he did, which is good, awesome for those guys that it was like, yeah, he's a, he's going to be a prime candidate to really take off there because it, there's, you can see what everybody talks about big, strong athlete competitor, um, and then all of a sudden the, the, the jump happened <laughs> this spring, like when he came out of basketball and after playing tennis and, and got on the mound and was like, Oh my gosh, he throws 98 now with two different breaking balls and like a splitter too. Um, so he ended up being number six on the list. And I think you could have taken three, four, five, six and seven. So Kent, Adams, George, Elminger, Smith. And I, honestly, you probably could have put them in any order. And I would have been like, yeah, that 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 makes sense. I mean, that's right. they're all kind of that that similar, uh, similar talent range. But James Elwinger, a guy that uh jumped up to number six um after being a, a just missed guy in the past. But um, you know, we talked about like we had a real difficult time narrowing this down to, to 55. So um, we actually did a just missed list that was the next 55 guys. They just weren't in numerical order. It was just alphabetical order. Uh, but there are a lot of guys on there. And I was like, man, I wish I could have put him at 55 or him at 55. Um, so it was like, it was a class that I think was really good at the top was kind of a bunched up thing in the middle. And then at the bottom was really good at the bottom with a lot of really, really good players. Um, you know, guys that I think are going to be candidates to to go, you know, potentially be um, day one guys at, at their respective schools. Um, you know, like like a Jackson Hill, for example, at UTA or, um, you know, Colton Griffin going to SFA or um, Clayton Freshcorn's healthy now going to McLennan could really, really blow up. Kalen Diger going to UTA. That was a huge late get for those guys. A big fan of him mm -hmm. um, after seeing him in person. So, um, that list is at five tool as well, but just, it was, it was pretty, it was especially tough to just kind of like, ah, oh, I'm going to, we're going to have to leave this guy off the list. And that's, that's not a, it's not an easy thing to do. Anybody from that list, they just kind of like, man, I feel pretty good about like this guy could really, um, really blossom mm -hmm. early, sooner than later at the next level. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love Jackson Hill. Um, yeah. You know, I know you mentioned him. I, I think that he's a guy that is, you know, from a playing time standpoint, should get a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think he's, I think he's going to be a candidate for that. Um, Landon West uh, mm -hmm. going to Rice. Uh, I mean, shoot, Landry Powell. Going to ETU. No, that yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, I mean, he's if he continues on the trajectory that he's been on the last year, so I mean, there's there's a chance for some real um some real dominant numbers out there um, mm -hmm. at ETBU. So 
um, you know, a lot of it just comes down to opportunity uh, yeah. for, for a lot of these guys. And Ben Tryon's yeah. probably going to hit at, at DBU pretty early on, I think. Yeah, I, I'd imagine so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God, let's see who else, you know, uh, well, well, this isn't a player particularly, but man, I really like what Houston Christian did. Yeah. Um, as you go through this list, there's a lot of guys scattered in and out of our list, you know, after having Dylan LaRue. Uh, last year, who was one of those guys that he ended up having 182 at bats. But, you know, you talk about him, Jaquay Stewart, um, you know, uh, let's see who, who else was on there. Uh, Keevan Goss. Like him. Uh, yep. Um, Lane Sparks. I think Lane Sparks from Lane Sparks. could be an impact center fielder. Um, you know, we'll see how quickly the bat comes on, but he can go get it in center field. Yeah. Um, be interesting. I mean, like they 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 did a good job. I mean, I I like you. You can tell that they have a good feel for what they're looking for and what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are those are a few guys that I could see. Um, yeah, and then UTA, yeah. man. I think for the first year, those guys being there, like you know, getting Kalen Diger late, um, you know, Jackson Hill, um, you know, William Johnson, like. Those are those are really good players. Like those are guys that I think that you, if you would have told me, hey, Jackson Hill ended up going to Oklahoma State, like I'm like, yeah, makes. I mean, really athletic, plus plus runner, can play center field, hits from the left side. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, so they ended up getting some some really really good players. Uh, Logan Myers, you know, a guy yep. that's got some real juice from the right side. Like this is a really good high school class. Yeah, e- Ethan Cornell's the the other one from Houston Christian. Uh-huh. That was great changeup. Thinking mm-hmm. that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see you know how that plays out for a lot of these schools because um, I mean, some good like like we said, there's some really good players go into these types of schools that, you know, it'll be interesting to see that kind of jockeying for the next, uh, you know, over the next couple of years or some, some of these programs in Texas are definitely up and coming and look to have a plan and are infusing a lot of talent into their programs. Yeah. Yeah. And I've talked and this will, you know, we'll, we'll be able to talk about this after area code and stuff, but to me, August is going to be so fascinating because of the new rules, because I really don't know how schools are handling the juniors right now, the 2025 guys right now, because like they're still doing a lot of work on the 24s and then the port and like the portal took up so much time. Like, right. I wonder if next year when we're talking about these guys and stuff, we're seeing even more of those guys that are you know, the list is kind of scattered with a bunch of different colleges as opposed to kind of the same ones. Um, just because recruiting just, it's just so different right now uh, because yeah. of the portal and because of the new rules and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, I can get to five tool.org and check out um, the final Texas 55. Uh, it's pretty easy. You can just go to a player's profile page. And if he's got the badge, you can click the badge and it brings up the list right there for both the uh, the 55 guys and the just missed guys. And we published some kind of some commentary about that stuff. One thing I, I think we take a lot of pride in is that like we put our like name on this stuff. We write about it. We try to be transparent about it, try to explain 
why, you know, like at least kind of some accountability for, Hey, if we're going to do this, let's, let's, let's make sure that we're, uh, we're, we're not just putting in the work, but also behind it from like an ex explanation type standpoint um, and things like that. But just keep in mind that we will definitely screw up. Uh, there will be lots of ones that would be like, like <clears throat> every time when I logged on Twitter during the spring and Anthony Silva hit a homer, I was like, Oh no. <laughs> like, oh no. But I, I talked to a ton of scouts and I was like, what did I miss? And like, no, nobody saw this coming. Well, it's rare for a freshman to do what he did, regardless of how good he is. Like that's just an extremely rare thing. It speaks to the player and, and the mental makeup he has and all that sort of stuff. So it's going to be super awesome to watch him in his sophomore year there because he's become a major league draft prospect uh, for sure. But uh, you got anything else on the list before we kind of turn the page on the, on the 2023s as, as high school players. And, you know, next time we'll be talking about those guys will be um, when they're at the next level, whether it's the draft or uh, Juco or, or D one college baseball. No, I think we, you know, covered quite a bit of it. You know, I'm sure, like you said, there are, It'll be interesting to look back. I, I had a good time going back through last year's group when I was doing the doing my research yesterday. So it'll be mm -hmm. it'll be it'll be fun to watch the, a, a whole class progress to that sophomore year and follow this group as freshmen. So I'm I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, and one thing too is I'm, I'm looking through here. I'm pretty proud of us us being me, you, and and you know the five tool staff as well. I think we saw every single 55 guy in person at least once. Um, a couple of those guys were a long time ago, uh, which like we always say, we wish you could see everybody a bunch, but it's, it's just impossible. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, going through here, it's, it's pretty cool to be like, Oh yeah. I can remember when I saw him. I remember when I saw him and remember when I saw him and, um, you know, a big reason for that is because of the event that uh, that we covered yesterday down in Houston um, at Minute Maid, which thank yeah. God it was at Minute Maid and not Sugarland like last year. I almost <laughs> died at Sugarland last year. I'm like my phone was overheating all the time, and and like I missed a Blake Mitchell homer because my phone was overheating, and um, so they had a, they had the Texas Scouts Association All Star Game down at Minute Maid. Uh, which was awesome. Uh, the roof was closed. The AC was not on, but the roof was closed, um, okay. which was nice. And uh, it's a cool event. It's it's a great chance to see a lot of guys that maybe um, we haven't seen or haven't seen a lot of. Um, so I feel like, I mean, obviously they're pro scouts. They do uh, like the best job at, at, you know, finding the players and, and all that sort of stuff. But uh, it's also sometimes some guys from some different areas, um, of the state that maybe we just don't get to um, as much, but um, some highlights, um, the, the video that I think <laughs> Jeff was telling me had uh, 2000 likes in the first 20 minutes. It was on Instagram. Uh, oh. The Matt Scott home run video uh, hitting a homer into the Crawford boxes there in left field at Minute Maid um, off of Jason Flores. And you know, Tracy Warren was down there doing some some video work for us. And I told Tracy, go, hey, he can he can get to velocity like he might he might hit one out here. And then two pitches later, 92 up and he parked it out to the left field. Um, he had a, he had a really loud one in BP as well. Um, bat, like that setting reminds me why scouts value workouts and batting practice, because like even this group 
of players that are all really talented players is like you can really stand out in that setting. Yeah. Physically, swing wise, power wise, the way the ball comes off the bat, the way you can repeat your swing. Uh, it just reminded me like, yep, this is why this stuff matters. Like then you say, okay, I've got my, I've got an idea about the tools. Let's get into the game and see what it looks like in the game. But Matt's Matt Scott having the big home run um, in the game. And then a guy that I admit was not completely off my radar, but like, not a name I was super familiar with heading into this uh, was, was Hayden Kreitz from paradise high school catcher um, committed to Seminole state switch inning catcher. He hit a bomb off Bryce Navarre who looked really good. Um, I have to say it now, I think Bryce Navarre is the best left-handed prospect pitching prospect in the state right now. He was, oh, he was really good ahead of, ahead of Cooper Williams, huh? Yeah. Who was also really good, but Navarre is about 6'1", 180, 190, 88-90, good fastball. The curveball was up to 3,067 RPM. He can really, really spin the breaking ball. Uh, and it is a it is a weapon. Um, he can also kind of shape it to where it's more of a kind of a two-plane, almost slider-looking pitch, and other times where it's kind of more of a traditional curveball. And he also threw a changeup as well. And he threw a ton of strikes and it was easy. I I just, the feel for spin is just really different. And there's some real pitching feel there as well. I was really impressed with him, but Hayden Kreitz got in there, 88 mile an hour fastball up in the zone, right hand swing, bang one off the sign above the Crawford boxes in left field. And you can hear it. One of the cool things about being in a pro setting with the roof closed when no one in there is you hear everything like the pop of the glove, all that sort of stuff. He smashed a homer. Um, good BP rounds. Uh, had an in-game pop time of two uh, two zero zero. I was like, this is a really good player. Like, there's some catch and throw skill. I was like, yeah, he can stick back there. He's you know athletic. He played some third base and looked the part there. I was like, this is this is a dude. So I was really <clears throat> really really impressed with Hayden Kreitz. Um, um, who's uh, committed to Seminole State from from Paradise High School? Uh, just a guy that really really looked apart the there. So he had one of the big highlights um, in the game as well. But um, there was a lot of good pitching, a lot of good pitching. Uh, Marcos Paws, I thought threw well. It was good to see him look like Marcos Paws. I think it helps when you're it's not 105 degrees and it's game whatever, and you're kind of dragging a little bit. Um, he certainly looked looked apart. Uh, one of his his summer teammates, Braxton Van Cleve, had a day. He multiple loud at bats, uh, didn't look at all overmatched. Obviously, he stands out physically no matter what kind of age group you're putting with them. Um, but he he really stood out the plate, and I was really impressed with like he did not look at all overwhelmed. And that's a setting where you can get you can get exposed a little bit in terms of like the pitching you see and you're with, you're surrounded by scouts and there's more scouts in the stands and college coaches in the stands and agents are looking around as well. Like it's an environment that can kind of get you a little bit beyond the talent level. And um, he, he really, really stood out there. Um, Big Trey, Elbert Craig had a, had a couple bombs in BP that was like, it was different. The raw power was, was different um, coming off his bat. Um, you know, speaking of batting practice, 
I've never seen Nolan Traeger take, take batting practice. It was the best BP session of the day. And it was like sh- short, quick, easy juice, like pull juice. I, it was really, really impressive rounds. Um, he had a solid day. I mean, every time I see him, I think a little bit higher of him defensively, just the way he can catch and throw and move around and the way he kind of commands uh, the pitching staff and, and stuff like that. But Jackson Burns, a guy that we'd seen a ton already, like his fastball is just different. Um, it's just like one of those guys you got back on the mound, started popping the glove and warmups like, oh, okay. This is this is a little bit of a different heater coming in there. Um, and he really spun the breaking ball as well. The spin was up to about 2,800 RPM. Um, so there's some real fill for spin there as well. It was good to see Jordan Stribling back on the mound. Um, I know he was kind of getting over a little something injury-wise. Uh, when he was in the zone, he was almost unhittable. Like, guys really struggled to pick up his stuff. And um, just like that, a lot of swings and misses. Did scatter it a little bit. There were a couple that went to the backstop. But when he was in the zone, uh, it was it was really, really good. And I was super excited to see Jason Flores because I, I think that he's he, – I mean, he is blowing up right now. Uh, he's he might be one of the most famous uncommitted prospect in the nation, not just Texas at this point. He was good. He was the only guy through two innings. And I know Matt Scott got him for a homer, but he was 92, 94, uh, consistently four strikes, good, easy delivery, high spin curveball, kind of two plane break 78, 79 could get whiffs with the 81, 84 changeup, kind of a circle type changeup had some movement to it. Um, it just, it was really, really impressive on the mound. And he and BP, he had a couple out of the yard too. And he's got some real juice from the mound, but I, I mean, from the plate. But after seeing him, you know, when we update our 2024 list after area code, it's he's going to be up there. Like it's going to, I don't know how many names are going to be ahead of him uh, when we, uh, when we kind of finalize that and publish that because it, it was, it, it's, it's really, really good. Um, and he's like a good mover on the mound. Just a strong athletic kid. Uh, I was like, I wonder what it's like to be that talented. Uh, did you ever, ever had days like that where you could hit one out of one out of the field in batting practice and get on the mound and, and throw that hard? I think you probably did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it happened. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know really what else to tell you, but. Um, yeah, I can think of a couple of games. Yeah. Uh, uh, a guy that we both like Nathan Tobin had a day. Oh yeah. Well, we're going to, we're going to, I'm excited to see him again next week in area code. Cause that was kind of his coming out party yep. last, last year. Um, so, I mean, he just, he, he, he seems to do really well against really good competition. Yes. And, um, like we've talked about before that plays, um, you know, if you can keep, proving over and over that you can hit the best pitching and get on base. And, you know, I mean, cause he can fly mm-hmm. and he, he continuously shows some, some real pop in, in events like this. And that's what, that's what stood out to me. Um, and I, I've, I've loved him since that first little event that he came to of ours, you know, way back in the, I guess it was winter of not two years ago, I guess. So yeah, yeah he's, I, I love watching him play and I like guys like him. I mean, kind of like that, you know, the Fryman thing you talk about, like got, he's not huge, but he's got some juice. Yeah. And he runs really fast 
he's just everything he does is fast and mm-hmm. twitchy and that um that plays um so it's yeah you know it, it, at some point people are gonna have to stop overlooking it i mean obviously he's overlooking it he's invited area code and 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 committed a&m so not not really overlooking it but he's gonna keep putting himself in that discussion of top guys because i mean he just hits and gets on base and does things in these big events that aren't necessarily designed for the offense um and so i mean it's at some point people are gonna have to start catching on that this isn't it isn't just an accident with Mm. the amount of times he's done it and he's he's gotten stronger too like like physically i was i mean he he's not he's not just a speedy outfield type of guy that's right right like it's it there's there's some strength in there for sure really good bp rounds and then he um he had some really hard contact um in games as well i don't think oh a guy that really stood out to me Will Geary played a lot oh, yeah. of shortstop. Yep. Yep. He like the speed of the game, the actions, like one of those guys, you're always kind of curious, especially infielders. They start, they go to the dirt, and all that's the speed of the game and the talent and the setting, like how they handle all that stuff. And I was re- really impressed. Like the skill really stood out. Um, he whacked one in game, I think it was 99 miles an hour off the bat. It was pretty cool they put the uh, pitch velocity and exit velocity on the, on the um, scoreboard during the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, like, I think he's gotten a little bit bigger, um, took some really good at bats, good P- BP rounds. Like I was like, man, this guy's a, this guy's a player, uh, just a skilled, but um, he's listed at 62, 170. I wonder if he's like closer to like 180, 185. Like he, he really looked the part. Um, oh, Brent Clark, a guy that we just haven't, seen a lot pleasant grove guy uh plays for the uh like the Ar- the arkansas sticks team i believe three and two sticks or um he's just not a not a guy not a program we see a lot in the summer um committed to arkansas a really strong day um bat to ball ability uh he's skilled enough to play the infield and the outfield left-handed hitter looked apart physically um i i was i came away a, a fan of brenton clark and um, and what he showed out there. Um, shout out to Baylor for getting Brighton Clements um, from Laredo Alexander. I think that's a really good early get. Um, athletic, some bat to ball skill. I think he's got a chance to be a really, really good player. Um, Jake Neely, I think, punched out four of the six guys he faced. His strong summer continues, kind of his ascent as a guy that's got some of the best stuff um, in, in the state. Uh, I mentioned Traeger, um, Mark Barnhart did his thing, a lot of slider whips. I mean, I, it's probably the best slider in the state. I haven't seen a better one yet. Um, Carson Luna has had some bright moments with the bat. Um, I mentioned Bryce Navarre. Cooper Williams was, was really good too. He's up to 93. He sat 88, 91. Um, like when he found the feel for throwing the breaking ball for a strike, it's just, those guys are kind of those taller, longer lefties that kind of got some some movement going on. Like they kind of come out from a slightly different look. Like guys really had a hard problem picking up um, his breaking ball. Houston Tomlinson, huge fastball again. Uh, I mentioned the Matthew Scott um, home run in the game. Um, Victor Coronado looked apart physically, like a guy that 
listed at 6'3", 185, a 2025 guy. Um, if you would have told me, hey, he's a 2024, I'd have been like, okay, yeah, it makes sense because he, he just looked the part um, in terms of kind of the strength, the physical profile, um, the talent level. Um, it was good to see Taylor Tracy out there. Obviously not pitching right now, but it was good to see him kind of able to swing a bat, move around, um, do all that sort of stuff. Uh, a really, really, really high-level player um, out of Dripping Springs. But um, I think that's that's probably about, you know, Ty Briscoe had a pretty strong inning on the mound from the left side. Another 2025 guy that looked apart, Abilene Wiley, Arkansas commitment. Uh, oh, Caden Leon. How did I forget my my local guy? Struck out five of the six guys he faced. Um, 88-90, but this, I saw this in the spring all the time. There's something about the fastball that guys just don't see. They don't pick it up. They don't hit it. Um, I don't know if it's the way the shape or the way it comes out, but uh, I was really encouraged, too. His curveball spin was up to 2,700, and it looked like the breaking ball that I saw early in the spring. That was a dominant pitch. Um, kind of had that feel for spin back. So uh, overall, really a, really a fun event to get down to. The Texas Scouts Association does an awesome, awesome job. I mean, how cool is it that you get to go down there, scout. There's at least one scout from every team. Uh, there's a bunch more in the stands. You get to go on a pro field, 60, force plate, uh, in and out, BP, and then you get to play a game at Minute Maid. I mean, I, I mean, it, it doesn't really beat that, but um, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was a fun event to get to for sure. Yeah, no, I was definitely jealous I didn't get to go, but looking forward to being out in San Diego next week for both the underclass and the upper class. Um, we'll have a lot of coverage out there and um, – Looking forward to seeing some of those guys compete against people from all over the country. Yeah. And it'd be fun too. Like I was like fist pumping during the draft when like guys like um Ralphie Velasquez got taken, you know? Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's it's so cool to see, you know, <coughs> the guys in that event in the summer, and you're like, man, yeah, that guy was really good. And then it turns out they end up being really high draft picks. But yeah, we're gonna make it a point too. It's I mean Obviously, you know, a lot of what we do is kind of focused in Texas and that's kind of home base and stuff like that. But I think you and I like really enjoy getting out there and covering the California kids and the Arizona kids and, you know, the Southeast kids like it's it's we're going to really try to cover those guys a lot as well. Um, and uh, some of those guys that you see from some of our five tool Arizona and California cover like Rock Chowalski last year with. Um, following his progression, Zach Wattis, I mean, TCU getting him on campus, that's a big victory. Um, but he was a guy that kind of had a coming out party at area code and it was cool to follow our coverage of him during, during the uh, spring. So it's not just going to be the Texas guys. I mean, we're going to be, we're going to be locked in, um, in the sun for, um, what's, what always seems like, like 15 hours a day at, uh, at, at the University of San Diego, but it's a really, really fun event. And we'll see where there, where there is no again. breeze, where there is There's no, no breeze. breeze. There's no breeze. Um, and like, yes, it'll be nice to not be in Austin because it's going to be over a hundred again for like the 20th straight day. And that's all that's projected for the next two weeks. But it's still like that sun is pretty relentless out there. No cloud cover, no breeze. Um, it's not Texas, but it's, uh, It'll get you. You feel it get yeah. you if you don't have your long sleeves and your pants and and everything else on. Oh, I'll, I'll have them. I got. I'm <laughs> I'm, re I, I'm ready this year. I'm not. I'm not making the same mistakes I made yeah, last year. I know. So, I might have to. I might have to Chad, take a week. 
chapstick sunscreen yes long sleeve pants uh there's no this not a fashion it's not a fashion event we're no. going for going for survival so. yeah yeah but uh all right before we get out of here anything else are, are the kids driving you crazy how's uh are they uh how's, how's everything going there um we're good we're good just um yeah no i think uh gray got a tooth yesterday or it's oh, coming okay. in so yeah so um first one first one for him so where's it at um, uh don't know i just heard people talking about it so. i know lucy's like some of her first ones were the two bottom ones and it just kind of looks funny when she smiles <laughs> it's like the two bottom ones so oh yeah it's, uh, the teething you know another joy of like hey is this teething or are you just being a a little little person yeah uh, it's like what 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 can we attribute your behavior to, um, and make sure that you're not actually sick or something like that. So yeah, it, it is nice to have a reason. Yeah, yeah. The the joys of parenting uh, for this age group. But um, yeah. all right, well, thank you everybody to uh, to tuning in again. You can follow us at Five Tool Pod on Twitter and Instagram, um, and then obviously follow all of our coverage at FiveTool.org. Uh, Connie Mac stuff's going on. Um, I'm going to publish some notes at some point from the TSA event yesterday. Just uh, just still an endless amount of video that's going on there all the time. So go to 5tool.org and make sure you're checking that out as well and following us on Twitter. But uh, for Drew, I'm Dustin. Uh, until we talk to you all next time, have a good weekend. Take care.